And the great thing about Jesus Christ is that he doesn't say to you and to me, clean up your life and then come to me. Jesus says, come to me with your mess and I will take it upon myself and I will give you a brand new life. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the greatness of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm. Uh, happy Father's Day, uh, everybody who's here. If you're first time here, we want to welcome you. This is not a regular location, but we thank you for coming anyway. So we're going to talk about today... Um, what real men are made of, okay? What real men are made of? And for Father's Day, um, I chose a particular passage. If you have your phones, you can open it or your Bibles, or you can just listen along with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. Here's what Paul says, okay? So what real men are made of, okay? Paul says this. He's writing to this church. He's saying, so because I loved you so much, I was ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For So check this verse out. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So my, my point today is this. What are real men made of? When we look at culture, if you think of um, movies and uh, uh, music and TV, here's basically the two complete extremes that we see how men are portrayed. On the one extreme, our culture says, what's this? Okay, our culture says this about men, okay? They can't swat flies out of their face, okay? On the one hand, culture says men need to be very rugged. They need to be very burly. They need to have, you know, a Lowe's and Home Depot credit card. Um, they need to be able to build a shed outside, we got some zoo, zoo stuff up in here. Um, dude, God is so good, man. I love, I love Jesus. I love the outside. So let's, let's get back together, okay? So, so rugged men who, you know, swat flies off their face, who are, imagine like John Wayne, okay, in the old movies. So John Wayne, he wears cowboy boots. He has those little spinners. I don't know what they're called in the back of his cowboy boots. He's like hit, hitting the horse spurs. That's one type of the man that we think, right? And usually in old school movies, you see the guy, he's maybe like a smoking like a cigarette or something, and all women are just fawning around him, and he's kind of like a womanizer, and every woman just wants to be with this guy. That's the one particular portrayal that culture has of men, right? Very burly, burly guy. Um, he, he's kind of like the guy who can like chop down a tree and build a house in two seconds, right? Something I can never do, but if you can do that, you're awesome. On the second... Uh, cultural spectrum we have is guys who basically are kind of like they don't know anything they they are usually one up by their wives their wives are significantly smarter than them um at their job they don't really do well they always are kind of coming late to work they're just all around super super lazy okay those are the two extremes that our culture shows both of them are incorrect both of them are not what the bible talks about 
And when we talk about the second part of man, this, this cultural image we have, um, maybe I'm dating myself, but I grew up watching one of my favorite cartoons, which was called The Simpsons, okay? Now, exactly, thank you. And I grew up in a, I, I grew up in a culture where people said, why were you watching The Simpsons? You know, it's such a, a stupid cartoon. But honestly, Simpsons could not be more telling of our culture. The writers of the, of the cartoon Simpsons actually studied culture, studied cultural intricacies, and what they showed in the Simpson family is actually a picture of America. This is a nuclear family that existed. Now, if you remember how Homer was depicted in the cartoon, he was kind of like this buffoon-looking dude who didn't really know much, who always came to work late. And if you remember, he worked in a nuclear power plant. And even in the very beginning, he literally was like with these tongs, these metal tongs, he was holding like this nuclear, you know, like acid looking deal thing. And then he like dropped it accidentally because of course a guy doesn't really know how to work. He drops it. All these um, alarms go off in, in the nuclear power plant. And then he's basically scolded for not doing the work right. Um, he doesn't really know how to do much in the house except like drink beer and chill on the couch and burp very loudly. And when he was having a bad day, instead of going home to his wife or to church, he would go to the bar. And he would go to a place called Moe's, if you guys remember. And so he would go to Moe's and he would just chill there and he would get a, get a big um, mug of Duff beer, if you guys remember. And he would just sit there and he would just drink. And then his two buddies, um, Ernie and... Um, What's the other guy's name? The bigger dude. Uh, Barney, I think. Bernie, whatever. Anyway, these two guys would be his basic male compatriots who would just, you know, he would cry to them and they would say, oh, you know what, Homer, you're not that bad. And in reality, they're like, yeah, you are, right? So this is the culture that we're growing up in where guys are portrayed like that. And I want to today say to you that that's not necessarily um, the right way to look at men and our culture has a very warped view of what a real man looks like. So today I want to look to the Bible to see what the Bible says and so we look to the ultimate man, the God man, Jesus Christ, how men should need to be and I think this sermon is important regardless of whether you're a father or not, regardless of whether you're a guy or a girl, a man or a woman because both of those, both of those people ultimately matter and Here's how I want to define what a real man made in the image of God looks like and does. So, real manhood is not about being macho, harsh, or domineering. It's about possessing a quiet strength that has been surrendered to God, displaying the great hero instead of trying to be the hero. Are you guys with me? That's what real men are. And so, God created men to be the leaders, the protectors, the cultivators, and notice that God did not create a man to be a harsh dictator, a dominator, or somebody who is an abuser of women. That's not what God created a man to be. Now, when we talk about men, there's a wide spectrum of men out there. And I, if you guys remember on Mother's Day, I said there's a wide spectrum of mothering that exists. The same thing with men. And some of the greatest men that ever lived who displayed the love and strength of a father did not actually have children. Some of them did, some of them did not. But these five people actually never had children, but they displayed the love of the Father. So Jesus, for example, he never had any kids, but he instructed us to cry out to him as Abba or Daddy. If you remember Apostle Paul, he had no kids, but he said he deal dealt with the Thessalonians as a father does with his own children. 
If you guys ever heard of a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, a great theologian, he never had any biological children. Pope John Paul II did not have any children. And George Washington, who's actually named the father of our country, also did not have any biological children. But whether you're here today, whether you have kids, you don't have kids, you're planning to have kids, whatever situation you're in, I think this is an important message for us to hear about what real men are made of. So the first thing I want to say is this. Real men love well, okay? Real men love well. The first trait that Paul says here is he's saying, when I was in your midst, we loved you so much. And this love that Paul is talking about is a love that continued forward. It didn't, it didn't stop. So it's basically like, I loved you when I came there. I loved you the entire time that I was there. And even when I was not there, I still continue to love you. It's almost like, a, okay, a perpetual type of love. You guys with me? So real men love well. And do you know that on the man, there falls a greater responsibility? This is why in the Bible, it's repeatedly said, husbands, love your wives. And if you actually read your Bible closely, ladies, this is one that's for you. The Bible almost never tells wives to love their husbands. The <laughs> no woohoo on that, but listen why. The reason, you are off the hook, but not so fast. The reason, don't worry, when we get into uh, uh, biblical womanhood, we'll, we'll get you later, okay? But um, the reason the Bible very rarely ever tells women to love the men or, or husband, uh, wives love their husbands, not because they don't need to do it, but, becomes, but because very often for women, it comes more naturally to love than it is for men, okay? It's just proven in Scripture, and I personally think that's true. For men, it's harder to love. Men are not naturally emotional creatures. For me, it's hard to love. Like, if somebody's like having a really bad day and they're crying about it, I'm not the person to come to because I will give you five points to get out of your funk, okay? I will send you to a blog I wrote, Seven Reasons You Should Not Cry, okay? That's what I would do. If you go to my wife, she'll say, oh my God, what happened? Let me, you know, like cook you something. Let me make you a meal. She's more compassionate. And I believe that women are more compassionate. It's not a, it's not a dig against guys. It's just, just the reality, okay? So this is why the Bible says men, real men love well. Why? Because they're not wired to do it. Therefore, we need Jesus more than ever before. We need to learn how to practice it. And so just like our Father who is in heaven, Jesus, who always leaves the door open for us to come to Him, so too we should be men who do the same with the people in our lives. More men would be approached more often for help if we loved well. Because think about it this way. If you, maybe you grew up in a home where you were scared of your father. Maybe your dad was not the man that the Bible talks about. And you were scared to approach him. You were scared to, to get into his presence. When real men love well, it means the women in their lives, the children in their lives, the families in their lives, they're not afraid to approach them. And the father then is more reluctant, more not as hesitant to give the love. Are you guys with me? So regardless of what kind of household you grew up in, you personally as a man today, you can change the generational link in your family. It can start with you. So first one, that what real men do is they love well. Second is they live well. They live well. And what Paul in this text says is that I lived a very transparent life in front of you, which means that how I was at home 
in my private room is the same way I was at the mall, at church, or at a birthday party. There was no difference between those two things. And so Paul in this text, he says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you were so dear to us. And friends, it's one thing to know the gospel, but it's another thing to live the gospel. Are you guys with me? It's one way to say, Jesus, yeah, you're my Lord and Savior. I'm a Christian. It's another thing to say, all these principles I'm learning, I'm going to put them into real life. That's a whole different thing. And so Paul is saying, when we lived among you, we not only told you the good news, we modeled it for you how we lived. Because friends, sometimes the only Bible people will read is the life you and I lead. And so we need to model that well. And so a real man lives well, which means that Everywhere they go, uh, people are looking at you and how you're making decisions, how you make a decision about your work, your vocation, your life, your finances, your church, all those decisions that you're making that you think maybe people are not noticing, they are because men are natural born leaders, at least they should be. And so what I believe is this, children need to see in their fathers, not just an authority figure, but somebody who is real, somebody whose heart has been touched and changed who still makes mistakes and yet has the courage to admit that he has made those mistakes, okay? So depending on uh, the type of culture that you grew up in, um, maybe some men, some fathers were conditioned that you never ever admit your mistakes to other people because it's going to show a sign of weakness. But in reality, a sign of strength is when a person can admit their weaknesses, a sign of strength is when a person can say, you know what, I screwed up, and I'm sorry, and I apologize. You will win much more people if you're able to do that. And I remember when I grew up in my household, my parents, I remember when my dad, let's say he would do something that would not be the best for the family, he would then come back and he would apologize to us, and he would say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. And I loved seeing that in him because I try to model that in my own life. Not because I'm good, but because somebody else modeled it for me. This is why, man, it's so important for us to live well because other people are watching. Third thing that Paul says in this text is this. He says not only does, do men need to love well and live well, but they need to lead well. Lead well. Paul says, remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Men are like trucks. When they have a very heavy load on them, they actually drive much better. Are you guys with me? That Because men are, are created to, to withhold more, and that's completely fine. And so here's the thing. As men, we need to work well. We need to demonstrate an excellent work ethic to the people around us. There will be some times, if either you're married or you're not married, you will have to work hard for your family. You will have to hustle. You might have to work some overtime. You might have to do things you don't want to do to take care of your family. And that's a good thing. That's when you model Jesus Christ. So people, men who lead well, work well. They have a heavy load on their shoulders, and that's completely fine. I don't think there can be more attractive thing to women about men if not that, when men work hard and work well. And that's a very important thing. That's a very, it's a very important thing. And, but you, can, you need to work in different ways. So let me give you a quick illustration. Um, you need to not just teach by example, showing people what to do, but you need to lead by example. So 
when I lived in my house, right, when I lived with my dad, my dad owned a remodeling company, okay? I know you're shocked, but he did, okay? And he would sometimes take me out with him to work, but he very quickly realized that I wasn't fit for it when I told him I thought Lowe's and Home Depot were like in the shopping mall, right? He quickly realized that, okay, let me change the plan. So what he did was he still wanted me to go hang out with him and spend time with him. So he asked me to do things at work that wouldn't cost thousands of dollars in damages, but actually would bring benefits. So he would ask me to get lunch, okay? Hey, I was the best person to get lunch. I would get a perfect spread. I would set it all up. Like I'd go to his favorite restaurant. I would do it. So what he did being the smart guy that he was, he was like, hmm, I'm not going to give him a hammer because either he's going to end up in the ER or this project is going to cost me thousands of dollars or this home is going to probably fall apart after the people come into it. Let me do that labor, but you can go get lunch. And I did, and I got lunch, and it was awesome. And then I kind of was there for, for moral support. I spoke a lot, practiced my preaching. So it worked out really well, okay? So the point is all of us are wired very differently. All of us are wired very differently, and work comes in very many different ways. But here's the thing. My dad, he taught by example and he taught by doing. So even though I might not be doing the work that he's doing, I was still doing some sort of work. So it's important for us to, to lead well. And friends, um, we need more character and less characters. Okay, we need more character. We need more men who are saying, you know what, it's a heavy load, but because of Jesus, I'm going to continuously carrying it. And number four, we learn men who, who um, are real men, they learn well, okay? And learning, mel, learning well means growing well. So Paul says, your witnesses and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. How do we learn well? A lot of men, they think, you know what, seminars, books, it's not for me. But guys, that's so important for us to learn. When I got married and I was trying to figure out this whole crazy thing called marriage, I really was determined to become a better husband. So what I basically did was I got all the marriage books I can find and I just read all of them. I, I read all the marriage blogs. And then um, my wife and I, we went to a... Uh, a couples conference with a bunch of other couples. We regularly meet with other couples to kind of learn from each other. So the real men, they learn well. They, they invest in their own education and that's important to do that. And here's the thing, you have to be actively learning to be a better man, all the while focusing on the best man, the God man, Jesus Christ, who loves you in spite of your faults and failures. Friends, God is not calling men to be perfect, but God is calling men to continuously seek perfection. And that's the ultimate goal of men, is to say, you know what, I'm going to fail a lot, but I have a repentant heart, and I'm always looking to Jesus. And fifth, the last thing is, not only they learn well, but they leverage well. Paul says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Friends, if you're a man here today, I don't think we often understand the amount of influence we have on other people. So we need to leverage that for good. So a man will either lead his family closer to God or it will lead, he will lead his family away from God. And we need to leverage that influence for God's glory. We absolutely need to, to do that. And so 
in conclusion, and now I'm about to pray and conclude. And so here's what I want to say. A real man who loves God, he consistently presses into and imitates the greatest man who ever lived, who was Jesus Christ. A real man looks to Jesus and becomes the practical savior to the people in his life. A real man chooses the to do the right thing instead of the sure thing. A real man, his first priority is the well-being of his wife, his family, his church, and the people around him. And a real man is fueled by the desire to be like Jesus instead of the desire to be acclaimed or recognized. And I believe that we have a cultural revolution and a radical strengthening of families in our world if real men followed the greatest man that ever lived, Jesus Christ. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm.